Welcome trailblazers and visionaries to the Forging Manufacturing Podcast. I am your host, Dave Hampton. And I'm your co-host, Jason Flores. So for our first time listeners, and welcome back, those who heard us before, uh, Forging Manufacturing goal is to provide uh, insight and thought leadership to those working in, around, or simply just interested in manufacturing. And we will bring you thought leaders who will share stories of success and achievement or stories of failure and how they've overcome. And hopefully we'll all learn something new. We have so far and ultimately at the end of the day, we just want to walk away, you know, want you to walk away entertained and have a roadmap to better, uh, whatever better means for you. Have you done other podcasts yet now that you guys are podcast hosts? No, other than forging manufacturing, no, we have not been blessed to do others is exciting. Absolutely. I, I know for me personally, the only time I had ever spoken on any type of uh, auditory medium was uh, sports talk radio. So the podcast <laughs> is my first one. Uh, so that's why he has that microphone. It makes yeah, it more right. like a sideline reporter. <laughs> uh, I like to hold mine. So I see we have the same microphone, Dave. <laughs> mine's on a tripod yeah. <laughs> no. you know what you got a good radio voice so <laughs> it works it works but unfortunately these also have video so you know jury's out but um so before we actually get going you know maybe we'll start with you dave you know tell us a little bit about yourself your background then we'll hear a little bit from jason and then you know collectively we'd like to hear some about the podcast yeah yeah so for better part of the last I don't know, 15 plus 17 years uh been working directly supporting manufacturers uh and manufacturers is broad right it could be a discrete product you know hold it in your hand type manufacturer to a process uh pharmaceutical or process plant if you're making something in some way shape or form i've supported them but it's all predominantly been in in and around design technologies and managing data and improving kind of how data and processes kind of flow throughout. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing that and, and just passionate about manufacturing. Just it's in my roots. Uh, I, I think I told the story on our, maybe the first episode or, or two of forging manufacturing, you know, my, I saw what, uh, what a manufacturer can do for a local economy. My father was the last one ever in a paper mill in New Jersey uh, I was I had the fortunate opportunity to summer temp there to, uh, two years in a row, and uh, it's gone. And so that whole area is depressed. You know, I mean, the industry the go is gone. So uh, I think you know, local economy and you know, much greater scale in our in our you know country and <laughs> world economy. When manufacturing is good, a lot is good for all yeah. of us. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me and and, and my passion. It's kind of how that's we awesome. got here. What about you, Jason? Well, I started using AutoCAD back when it was 2.2, right? Version on floppies. And that's the honest to God truth. But I actually don't remember the version, but I do remember the three and a half inch floppies. But um, yeah, I spent some time designing some medical equipment uh, and medical devices. Um, then from there, I actually jumped into the Autodesk uh, reseller channel really young. It was about uh, 2000, yeah, I think it was 1999, I jumped into that. Um, so I've been supporting manufacturers, went through the whole AutoCAD to AutoCAD mechanical to mechanical desktop to inventor uh, to vault and on and on it rolls. So I've been, I've helped companies really transform their business around that whole shift from 2D to 3D. 
Um, spent some time at, uh, at Autodesk as well. It was what's called a boomerang. I went there, left, went back again, and um, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, one thing that really excites me is the opportunity that we have at Applied to provide not just subscription renewals for Autodesk, but more around the services um, side of things. And we can really help customers, you know, improve the process, um, take a look at, um, you know, their different workflows and see how we can optimize them. That's awesome. So what got you guys to start the podcast? What was the thought behind that? Well, you Dave, guys were a big Dave inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear it. That's all. Uh, you guys were, yeah, no, you guys were a big inspiration. You know, I, I think it, there's a lot to be said for, you know, bringing, you know, I think we as, as we as individuals, but we as a company have a, a, an amazing set of talent and a lot of perspective because we get to work and be around some of the best. And, and I think on the flip side, some of the worst, <laughs> not, not that we'll call yeah. out names, but we see some of them that are not, you know, sound processes, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think it's amazing to, to leverage the network and to get people together to, to just share, you know, experiences that, Hey, all these companies, I don't care if you're a construction firm or a manufacturer that you all have challenges and some of them actually cross over, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, but uh, I, I just think it's amazing what you guys have done to, to bring these groups of people together and just share experiences and, you know, try to improve in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Um, is there, I know you guys are just kind of getting going. I mean, are there certain type guests you're looking at, you know, what is that group that you're trying to bring into the conversation look like? You know, so far we've had um, some uh, thought leaders, right? We had a thought leader. We've had uh, a CEO of, of another company, ProModel. Um, another thought leader, actually, the last show was pretty interesting. We're waiting for that to drop too. Um, but we, I don't think we look at anything necessarily specific. I think we mm -hmm. look for people who can have an impact on the way, way manufacturers think. I think our next podcast that's scheduled to come up is going to be pretty, uh, pretty interesting because this gentleman's fantastic, but really has never been in the realm of manufacturing. The, the, the next one. Yeah. But even the ones prior, I mean, one, one, he was a futurist. It was our first episode, Jim Carroll, you know, a futurist that he spends time, he talks to, you know, NASA, but then he'll go into, you know, big, uh, you know, he'll talk to people on wall street, you know, it's, he's, he's looking at all trends. Um, and then we'll talk to, uh, I think the one that's about to drop was, uh, Rob Shattuck. He was, uh, a senior executive, you know, head of engineering at one point in time for Motorola, when the, the razor was developed, he was on top of the team that developed that product. And it's all these different perspectives that come together about what better may look like for manufacturing. And again, there's, when you're talking about business and talking about manufacturing, there's an endless supply of things to talk about. Because uh, so much changes. Yeah, I was thinking too. You know, it's very difficult. It's easy to talk about successes. It's it's a little more challenging to talk about our failures. And Dave and I really try to get those those guests to talk about those because there's a lot we can learn from them, right? And give their guidance on what they could have done differently um, had they you know known now what they knew then. Absolutely. Yeah, getting those different now. perspectives has been really big for um, you know on the AEC disruptors uh, because. You know, we recognize that before these podcasts existed, uh, getting to that information, reaching out, expanding your network, um, 
when you're in the day-to-day sometimes can be challenging. And so having these type of mediums is a pretty easy digestible way to get that information across and it, and they're just fun to do. So there's always that. Dave, you were mentioning how we have the best and the brightest from just about every industry. And I completely agree with that. And another thing I like about us, we come from all areas of the country and, you know, not only do we bring that industry perspective um, from our respective industries, but we also bring it from our particular areas because work gets done differently in, you know, Texas versus New York. Um, And I'm sure, you know, that's probably pretty similar in the manufacturing sector as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that cultural piece. And I think it that kind of comes up. I've listened to most of your episodes, at least recently. And, and I think in in the few that we've done so far, that's always a piece. It's that cultural. And I mean, AEC disruptors, right? Forging manufacturing. I mean, the, the common theme is change. Yep. And you're dealing with people. And so I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's something that you, you have to address. And um, yeah, that's, that's been the most exciting thing, actually, for us. It's a really good point, actually. If I look at a manufacturing company in the Northeast versus somebody who's in the Northwest, they're complete opposite, right? And we've had, Dave and I have had the chance to work with, with all ends of spectrum on those, those types of accounts. That's a good point. That's why Jackson's here. Um, so that was my one good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's another one somewhere in there. Um, so, so today, you know, other than just being able to talk to you guys about the podcast, but we really wanted to bring your perspective to this conversation. So, I mean, we have people from the architecture side of the industry. We have people from the construction side of the industry. We haven't had anyone from the manufacturing side of the industry. So I thought it's pretty, pretty relevant. Um, one of the things we kind of talked about, and I want to really get both your information or your thoughts on this, is this idea of how we see more and more of sort of the methodologies in manufacturing creeping their way into construction. Uh, before we get there, and you know, I, I'd like to hear from both of you when we're when we're saying manufacturing, you know, what do what do we mean if we're trying to level set for the beginning of this conversation? What is manufacturing? Yeah, I'll take that. So manufacturing. It is diverse, right? I think I even kind of let off with it could be something that you're making that you could either hold in your hand or it could be, you know, pharmaceuticals. It could be, you know, oil and gas. Uh, It's taking something from a raw material to a finished product. And just that in itself, I mean, we talk about that convergence between construction and manufacturing and and that's actually goes both ways i think they're both learning from each other both industries are are taking a little bit of each other um you know that that's the similarity is they're taking raw goods to make a finished product and it's the processes in between that are really starting to come together but yeah manufacturing is is diverse but it's pretty much you know kind of as i as i stated yeah, you know, with that definition, you could argue that construction is just manufacturing. I mean, we're taking raw materials. In this case, it may be, you know, lumber and drywall, but we're still producing that finished product. Yeah. The tol- tolerances may be a little bit different, but yes. yeah. Yeah. You know, when when we spent time at Autodesk, I remember well, we're back in the days of talking about digital prototyping, which we should all still be talking about. And I think you kind of have that same conversation in, in the AEC world. But I always said, I don't care if you're making uh, an office chair, uh, 
a conveyor, um, uh, you know, a piece of dental equipment or pharmaceuticals, all companies as different as they are, they all have the same general challenges bringing a product to market maybe nuanced, definitely nuanced, but there are general overarching challenges. And the same is to be said in the world of construction. The Forging Manufacturing Podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants. There are comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus of helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. I come from the construction side and I consider it to be um, horribly inefficient um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, there's so many different players that come into, you know, that go into building a building, whether it's the designer, engineer, general contractor, and all of the contractors in between, and then all of the contractors, delivery people, things like that. So there's so many different players all working toward the same goal, but because of that, it's easy to not be on the same page. Mm -hmm. When I look at manufacturing from an outside perspective, I consider you all to be very dialed in when it comes to everything. Um, and, you know, construction is taking prefabrication from um, manufacturing. I think that's one of the first steps that they've taken. But a lot of our listeners don't have a manufacturing background. And you mentioned, you know, we could learn from each other. Um, I know that we could definitely um, learn from you all, like, to have an assembly line approach to construction, whether that's, you know, for building more affordable housing or, um, you know, even in commercial applications. But what do you think um, manufacturing, the manufacturing sector can learn from construction? If I don't, I'll step in first, Jason, I'd love to hear your thoughts then. But so where like you said, where manufacturing has always had that assembly line approach and it's repeatable and they're always looking at efficiencies and throughputs and all that type of thing. The flip side is, is manufacturing where it's becoming less and less um, uh, assembly, well, not assembly line driven, but it's less volume product. It's actually mass customization, right? So that is where we're in manufacturing learning from, you know, the agility that construction has to have, you know, architects have forever been pushing the envelope to making construction do wild, crazy things, right? And that's, that's the customer, right? That's the end customer. Well, now with new technologies, with 3D printing and all the, the different conceptual stuff that goes on, everybody wants it tailored to them. So manufacturing then has to realize, how do I retool? How do I re-engineer my facility to meet the changing needs of the customer? You know, how do I do, deal with a global supply chain? So it's smaller batches of higher volume products, right? Of high volume products for niche markets. And that's, it's that whole process that construction actually has always adapted to pretty well. Um, so it's kind of funny how they're kind of going in opposite directions in a sense, but again, converging. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think I look at companies who make, um, 
you know, I, I visited a company who makes fire trucks, right? Every single fire truck that comes out of that plant is different. Um, so there isn't that there's somewhat of a repeatable process, repeatable process there, but every single truck is basically an architect, architected house on wheels, right? Cause they all have different options. And Jackson, I wanted to touch on something too, that you mentioned, um, you know, you think that manufacturing has it dialed in. I do think that's pretty true when it comes to the design world. Uh, we went through, you know, every single industry went through a change when we went from the board to AutoCAD or CAD, right? And then, like I said, late in the, in the 90s, the early 2000s, where we really saw manufacturing start to take off and start leveraging the 3D now, the digital twin. I was shocked to learn that maybe 10 years later, when I started looking at the AEC industry, the architectural industry, they were laggards in that whole realm, right? They, they just couldn't grasp that concept until finally, you know, tools like Revit um, and the BIM uh, tools came out where they really started leveraging, leveraging that. And the lagger behind that is construction, right? They just haven't seen that light yet. And they're going to get there, um, but it's going to take a little bit, of, little bit of time for them to get there. Yeah. And even talking with our, some of our guests, I and mean, we've seen like things like COVID has sort of accelerated the adoption of certain things within the construction industry. I mean, they seem to historically be behind in terms of productivity and technology, and we hear it all the time. So we have seen that um, the pandemic has sort of accelerated that a bit, or if nothing else, the adoption, you know, to be willing to adopt, we've seen that accelerate a little bit. Um, you know, what do you see, like, what are some uh, just ideas, you know, Jackson mentioned prefab, you know, what are some of the things that you see kind of potentially coming from the manufacturing realm into the construction side? Okay. Yeah, I got a couple of examples, actually. Um, the first one I can say is we're working with a car wash company right now. They make, you know, drive through or drive, um, or car washes that you just drive in and they've got the products down great, right? They're a fantastic company. Um, but what they're now finally starting to see is how do we, how do we make this experience, this design experience more enjoyable for the customer? And whether that customer is the architect, the general contractor, or the uh, actual uh, owner of the building, right? How do, how do they communicate more effectively and how do they make that experience better for them? And that's where the technology and construction and AEC um, is really going to have a play. Yeah. Well, so, and I think, so that that's construction kind of coming into manufacturing in a sense, or the AEC world coming into manufacturing, you know, as far as the, you know, the manufacturing world coming into construction, when you talk about prefab, you talk about modular, right? That it, it's that it's, well, I don't want to sim oversimplify by saying it's the assembly line approach, but there is, there's just that do more, inside the walls of a building, bring it out and then start collaborating kind of, which you guys have kind of, I think, you tell me, <laughs> you know that industry more than I do. I, I think the collaboration side, while it could probably still be improved is, is still probably better than most manufacturers are starting to learn how to clo collaborate globally and work with a global supply chain. Um, but that, and I'll say one more thing, cause Jackson, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the people aspect of it too safety. That is the number one thing that I see being, it's an area of incredible improvement or opportunity because manufacturing has forever been focused, right? Around, you're working around heavy duty machinery, you know, you can, injuries, they're always been, you know, OSHA has always been, you're, you're reporting on data on, you know, time up and no injuries and all that. 
well, we know construction is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something else that can easily cross over with some of these more repeatable assembly line kind of processes because you're yeah, taking just, safety into account. Go ahead. Yeah, and I did just meet with a company who they admit they are a modular home company. They make single wides and double wides and they're starting to do work for FEMA, right? The majority of their work, I would say 95% of their work, and you guys probably know this better than I, is done not inside a factory, mm-hmm. right? Then it gets put on a truck and then it goes and gets delivered. These are low-end housing right um but it's it's still the same actually i, th- I actually think the double wides are pretty cool <laughs> some of them um but uh that's where you really see a convergence of construction and manufacturing in my eyes too yeah i've got one more too that just came to mind and it's reducing waste right the amount of you know manufacturing looks at trying to efficiently take that raw good to a finished product with as little waste as possible, because that's money left on the table. That's so, uh, and that's efficiency and process through manufacturing, which it costs money to make a product, you know, energy and all that. Well, same would hold true. I would think you'd agree with waste on the construction and the job site. Such a good point. And I don't mean for us to just keep talking back and forth, but I had a guy frame uh, a house of mine and he said for every three homes that he builds, he has enough left over to build one more home. Yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> in terms of waste, and if we're playing AEC Disruptors Bingo right now, we've got digital twins, and then we're <laughs> about to have a Jackson internship story where he talks about <laughs> just picking up trash 10 hours a day. Um, that job <laughs> was not coordinated beforehand. <laughs> which meant there was no prefabrication, which meant that I was throwing away so much drywall, um, you know, good pieces of metal stud, things like that all day long. And nobody even bats an eye. The dumpster company, the truck that hauls it off is just making a killing off of us because we just have so much waste. Um, And that was even the case on jobs that I'd been on that it had, you know, coordination, which led into prefabrication. Um, so like we're making strides, it's, but we, we've still got a long way to go. Like on the MEP side, I think they're the most far along, um, at least in the commercial sector when it comes to being more like a manufacturing company. Um, but there's still a long way to go, especially when it comes to being efficient and reducing waste on this side. This is timely comments because the episode that'll release right before this episode, uh, we talked to a guy at Skanska and it was around this concept of embodied carbon and reducing embodied carbon on the job sites. And so we talked about all of that material waste and we talked about, you know, shipping things back and forth. And so you could see in a way to start to uh, reduce that things like prefab and modularization can help because now we're in a more controlled environment. Uh, it's more, um, it's a little bit more rigorous. So we're having less just waste. Um, and so it, I think it's a, it's a perfect time to bring that up. And it definitely seems to be one of the major benefits potentially that can come out of it. I mean, we hear all the time about population increase and being able to provide all of the you know homes that we're going to need and productivity, all those things over and over. And, it seems like what manufacturing in construction can start to do is tackle obviously things like that. Now we've touched on sustainability. And so it's really touching on some big things that we, we currently start to face now. Yeah. And not only that, but I don't know how it is in manufacturing, but in construction, 
there is a major shortage in skilled labor. And that goes for both the trades and those who are project managers and superintendents. Um, so you have to be more efficient with less people. And whether that's through robotics, such as like 3D printing or things like that, um, manufacturing techniques are going to be forced into the construction industry, partly because you just, there's just not as much skilled labor. Uh, holds a hundred percent true through manufacturing. Yeah, we talk um, about it every day. All the all the skilled trades seems to have gone by the wayside, right? In terms of, or instead of computer science, right? We see it all over. We have that conversation every day. Yeah, I, I go if I drive. You know, I'm in Pennsylvania. I drive up, you know, north here, and I can pass by twenty different manufacturers, big global manufacturers, and all of them have job postings, things outside of their facilities that. I need welders. I need assembly workers. I need all these things. And actually I read those signs and I'm like, well, guess what? You're not going to probably be able to find as many as you need. And it's a heck of an investment, but robotics actually does that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, so those are the types of conversations too, because it's an investment for the company. People are an investment for the company. It's the biggest cost of every company is their people. But, um, we, you have to be able to figure out what your return on that investment is. And those are the types of conversations uh, we have with, with our customer base and, uh, and there's no end in sight. It's just, you're, you're hundred percent right, Jackson. It's that skilled labor shortage. Yeah. And you're absolutely right too. There, I mean, when, when companies see that there's a, a, a gap where they want to increase throughput, they'll either throw money at it. What do they invest in? They've invest in people. Usually they probably throw a bunch of people at it or they'll try to, you know, buy some new machinery um, where realistically, you know, that's where Dave and I try to help the manufacturers take a look at your processes, take a look at your factory floor and look where we can see um, optimization changes, which you don't have to add more people or you could potentially um, put somebody else or somebody somewhere else to do more uh, other types of jobs. Um, I... I want to shift gears a little bit. And, you know, I think Dave, this was a topic that you brought up and it actually, you know, you and I recently kind of collaborated on a customer that was kind of in this building realm and it's looking more at building uh, product manufacturers. And I think specifically one of the things you thought would be interested to talk about, and I really want to hear from you both um, is this idea of how, you know, they're trying to be able to communicate more effectively with the, the AEC side of side of things. And so what I'm kind of curious about is um, a couple of things, you know, one, you know, what is the kind of the current process look like? Like how are building manufacturers um, crossing the aisle to get upstream with their specifiers? And then where are we finding that there's areas of improvement um, that we can kind of tackle? Yeah, it's a big subject to tackle. And, and really, depending on the company, the challenge can be you know, night and day different. Right. But, um, but I think generally speaking, you know, so it goes without saying building product manufacturers want to get their products spec'd in early and often. And part of that's a business transformation where it's a sales driven effort. Right. So uh, I can think of a ceilings manufacturer that I've worked with that, you know, everybody actually would know, um, and, and but they're trying to get to be more custom architectural ceilings. It's higher dollar, less volume, right? Again, it goes back to that mass customization, um, less volume, maybe more volume of, of 
in of their product in a given space. And so they're working closely with architects. But the challenge is, is the way a lot of building product manufacturers, they design their products in a X design tool, whether it's, you know, the, an Autodesk design tool or whatever it may be. Well, what's, what does that end customer, the architect, the building owner, the GC, what do they use to, to, to communicate? Because that's at the end of the day, a 3D model, a 2D drawing, that's all it is, is a communication tool, mm -hmm. right? So, and it's being able to pass over that finished product, that finished model in a form that's most easily able to be consumed by the end audience. Um, and, and that's, to be honest, that's the challenge still, right? I think it's just because everybody looks at their own communication tool as the holy grail. And I don't think it needs to be that way. I think it could be a little bit more easily democratized um, and dumbed down because, you, you know, if I'm dealing with, um, uh, just trying to think of a, an application, I don't know, a, a, an HVAC, you know, unit. Right. So this company makes an HVAC unit that sits on top of this building. Do, does the architect, does the GC actually need to have every nut and bolt and everything that's inside of that thing? No, no. They need to know if there's a wear part, if there's something that needs to be maintained. So it's that collaboration. How do I dumb something down enough just to make it fit? and be able to be consumed inside of your big, massive building architectural model. You know, how does that, how do you let that data live? And so that's the challenge and the opportunity. Understanding the end user a little bit on those. Yeah, and yeah. that goes back to that car wash company that I brought up earlier too. They're having the same challenges internally, right? They've got a product design team, but then they've got a layout team, right? The layout team doesn't need to have all the details, all the nuts and bolts of that product those specific products that they're making, right? So they're going through a transformation. How do we get those designs? You could take those 3D models and you put them in, in something else and they're going to be massive, right? They're going to be unusable, right? So how do they take those models, get just what they need, the connection points, the amperage that they need, the, any plumbing connections and give that model to the process folks. And then to add on one thing, I think the change is inevitable, right? So if we think about, I think where we got engaged is on like a uh, building uh, product manufacturer it does like exterior, you know, curtain walls or, mm -hmm. or panelized systems. And reality is, is that that manufacturer, that, that building has been architected, right? But it's being constructed. And how often, I'll ask you guys first answer, how often does what is actually built match exactly what that architect designed 100 percent of the time right? <laughs> right there's that whole ve exercise that happens <laughs> jackson <laughs> anything <laughs> i respectfully disagree <laughs> <laughs> right but so now you got this 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 you know this building you know the the panelized wall system manufacturer that is starting to work and build off of what they were given as plans and then they have to go and physically inst start installing it, right? Whether it's whether it's a company, a construction firm that's physically installing that product, or if they have a service arm to their own company, um, inevitably something's not going to work out right. Well, then that leads to project delays, and that leads to uh, you know wasted materials, and 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 it's solving that. That is something that we we all collectively have been focused on 
Um, and, and I think there's, there's evidence of that across many different types of organizations. I'm sure you could talk to that car wash company, Jason, and it's the same, same thing. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, the, the conduit was supposed to be run here for the electrical and it's not, it's over here. Well, how do I, how do we quickly adapt to change? Cause it's inevitable. And, and that's, I don't, I don't know that we all have the answers for it, but that's the reality is, is data and, and cloud-based collaboration tools and all that should at least bridge that gap. Yeah. I've said this before. It's like, let the expert be the expert. Cause I mean, in my past life, when I'm, you know, detailing a window and I would often ask, like, are you telling me that the person that installs this window for a living is going to do it differently than how I draw it? No, they're going to do like, I just want to tell them don't leak. I, I don't want it to leak. It needs to be three by three and don't let it leak. And that's all I care about. Right. I don't care about anything else, but I spend so much time drawing the wrong detail to then send it to Jackson who just says that's wrong. And then Dave, who's installing the window, who installs windows for a living, just does whatever you do normally. Mm -hmm. So I've wasted so much time just, you know, and so it, it does lead to the inefficiencies. So, I mean, it starts to talk about other things we've had discussions with about liability and allowing people to just do their part of the project and really collaborating up front. Um, you know, I had a friend that worked for a fairly large architecture firm here in the, in the United States and said that uh, they would be working with building manufacturers, say a ceiling um, company, and they would be using their product differently than how the ceiling manufacturer had originated, originally thought. And so all of a sudden now the architect's giving the building manufacturer ideas for how they can use their product. You know, there's a collaboration that can start to really start, you know, happen and by both sides learning from each other. That's in the construction industry, telling the manufacturer ways they can improve their product mm -hmm. is huge. That instant feedback is invaluable. What are you saying, Dave? Yeah, no, I, that's both excellent points. And I mean, think about that too. I mean, depending on your products, but even the ceiling manufacturer looks at, you know, is starting to try look at embedding sensors and things into their products so they can look at acoustical performance and um, you know, all different types of things, lighting and whatever it may be. Well, that, that real-time feedback, the feedback from the customer directly at the products that are becoming more smart is starting to help evolve and allow these manufacturers to quickly to adapt to changing customer needs. So that, that's an excellent point. Uh, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to hear kind of from both of you. We'll, maybe we'll start with Jason. You know, what's one future thing you're kind of looking forward to, in, whether it's in manufacturing or the collaboration between the two? And, you know, is there anything that you're kind of keeping an eye on? And then the same for you, Dave, afterwards. Yeah, and I think this conversation is pretty timely. And again, I always go back to examples. Um, but I, when I look at manu traditional manufacturing companies, I'll throw two examples out there, shipbuilders or ship retrofitters and RV companies, right? Those two manufacturing industries, specific industries, have no, I shouldn't say not everybody, but there, there's a large gap between what technology is out there as far as construction is concerned. They're, they're doing things in... in 3D modeling applications, specifically Inventor in these two cases, that they shouldn't be doing, right? They should be using other technology that's specifically for construction or AEC. So I'm really looking forward to these manufacturers, to educating these manufacturing companies on what's available to them, what's out there, what's gonna help them 
with their MEP or their structural analysis inside of those of those designs that they've traditionally done inside of 3D manufacturing CAD tools. Dave? Yeah, could you re-ask the question one more time, please? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to find out what you're going to say. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a direct stall. <laughs> what's, some, what's something you're looking forward to, it, whether it be in manufacturing that you're kind of keeping an eye on, that's kind of in, on the horizon that you see, you know, come into to the industry? Yeah, two things. I, I mean, I kind of just touched on it last time is leveraging data you know, real-time performance uh, data from products, right? Our cell phones do that. Things, Tesla is a great example of how products can improve while they're out there being operated in the field, right? Because of sensors and, you know, firmware, hardware updates and all that type of stuff. Well, that's going to continue to be more readily available for all of us in every product that we use. And especially, you know, you look at Nest in the building and how that, you know, and those types of, uh, of, of products kind of interact with us as we interact in the environment. Uh, and then the other thing is AR, VR. I think it, I think that's probably the biggest similarity amongst our two kind of industries is how to creatively use that. I think we've seen it, you know, AR and VR both be used to help onboard people into a manufacturing assembly environment, right? So if you're doing something repeatable, somebody can wear goggles or can have something showing them kind of right there, how to physically help assemble this piece of a product. Um, I, I think that that application is really exciting to me, you know, kind of as a gamer type of thing. And it, it appeals to the, the newer generation, uh, even well younger than I. Um, so I think those are the two things, just trying to find new ways to leverage all this new technology to, to the good. That's awesome. Well, guys, we, we enjoyed it. We're glad you were able to join. This was a successful first uh, crossover episode. Yeah, no, this was excellent can't wait to to do this again forging manufacturing is directed and produced by dave hampton and jason flores edited and produced by eric daniel forging manufacturing is an applied software production copyright applied software 2021